You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and soon uh, in expectant uh, of his arrival, my co-host Imam Tahir Khalid. Um, today's, today's topics, we usually cover... Uh, either two topics or one topic for the whole two hours of the duration of the show. But uh, today's show is split into two segments and uh, we'll be examining uh, forensically, I suppose, uh, under a forensic microscope, the next PM. Okay, I mean, what does the country actually need uh, in uh, the, you know, the, the abilities uh, one, one should say, of the next prime minister, because you know, if, you, if you're a resident in the UK, you know that uh, currently there are two runners for the, uh, for the vacant seat, I suppose, of the uh, Conservative Party and hence the prime minister of the United Kingdom. And those two runners are Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. So we'll be looking at that uh, in the first hour, uh, and actually saying, you know, what does actually the country need? It's not what they uh, perceive us to uh, require of the prime minister, but actually what do we uh, truly uh, think is necessary uh, as to um, the abilities and the duties of the next prime minister. So that'll be in the first hour. Uh, in the second hour, we'll be looking at, because it is actually the 1st of August, I mean, if my co-host was here, I'd do the uh, pinch-punch first day of the month with him. I might punch him, actually, because he is running a bit too late. But uh, yes, 1st of August um, is also um, Yorkshire Day. So it celebrates uh, all things uh, from Yorkshire, the greatness of Yorkshire. Uh, we'll be looking at... Uh, all different aspects of uh, the county of Yorkshire uh, in the north of England. So those are our two topics today. Uh, We're looking at the next PM and uh, more of a celebratory uh, look at what, um, you know, what what great things have come out of Yorkshire, Uh, not just the countryside, the people, uh, the food. Actually, because um, you know, we're everyone knows about Yorkshire puddings, um, but does everyone know how to make a good Yorkshire pudding? And if you've been up uh, up north, you'll uh, see some of the size of Yorkshire puddings that you can get uh, are the size of a plate. Uh, and um, if you've just had, you know, one, one of the staples is to have uh, Yorkshire pudding with onion gravy, and that's absolutely absolutely delicious but uh without further ado i'm going to jump into our first topic of the day which is the next prime minister now obviously you know we've seen in the news the recent resignation of the uk prime minister uh boris johnson uh, and that sparked a conservative leadership race where uh you know quite a few tory mps uh have the ability to put themselves forward to become the next Conservative Prime Minister, or sorry, Conservative Party leader and thus the next uh, British Prime Minister. The last two left uh, in the leadership race, as I uh, pointed out earlier, are Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, and Liz Truss, the current Foreign Secretary. 
Um, the new prime minister will be announced on the 5th of September, but he, she will have a number of problems to or- already deal with uh, that the country is facing. Uh, what qualities should the new uh, prime minister uh, have? And that's what we're asking. And, and in fact, uh, you know, if, if you have a comment, by all means, do call in on 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Let us know what do you think should be the prime, you know, is, is there an, uh, a, a good running order? I mean, what to do with, uh, what uh, to deal with when they take office as the Prime Minister uh, on the 5th of September. Uh, I am joined by my, my co-host, Tahir Khalid, uh, and Tahir, what do you think, right? What what would you say is the prime, you know, you know, uh, the most pressing uh, objective of the prime minister? I mean, I feel that there's a number of pressing issues, right? There's not one. Uh, I didn't say number. I said. I know. I mean, but there's <laughs> there's a number of pressing issues that we have to look at. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, we don't know who's going to be, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't Currently, know. it's looking like Liz Truss. Yeah, if we're and if it, w- if it was one, I would like to probably um, maybe deal with first. It would probably be the cost of living. Mm-hmm. I think I think that would probably be the number one pressing issue. But what aspect of the cost of living help with the rise of inflation? Mm-hmm. Um, help those who are unable to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 um, those who are shareholders of BT uh, sorry not BT as well yeah mm-hmm. uh, but Shell uh, SO BP I meant to say BP but BT came and BT was obviously over over the weekend yeah, th- I mean all of these owners are earning millions mm-hmm. whereas the workers their pages have been cut mm-hmm. and us the average or that the individuals living um, here in the UK, we've had to face uh, a huge rise. And mm-hmm. then I think it's after, maybe maybe just before winter, it's going to, be, well, before October. next year, October, it's going to turn up, I think, around, what, £4,000, mm-hmm. the average household. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of our energy, for example, EDF, that comes from France. Mm-hmm. And they've made their... Um, I think they've gotten what forty percent down mm-hmm. in France. They're paying forty percent less. Yeah, I think um, if we actually flesh out the bones of that and stop and kind of like pick out figures out of the out of midair, uh, as my co-host likes to say, uh, I believe actually EDF being a uh, French government-owned uh, power company in France actually raised the um, raised their energy cost by four percent. 4%. Whilst here in the UK, it was 54%, an extra go. 50%. So the energy price cap uh, that we saw in April, uh, which will be reviewed once again in October, is rightly so. Uh, my co-host has said that uh, on average, by that time, the uh, cost of electricity and gas will be around about £4,000. Yeah. So that's... Uh, in in line with a doubling, right? Yeah. A doubling of your annual fuel bill. Yeah. 
and that's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's not as if we're using more, mm. right? We're and using exactly the same amount. Exactly. And so, you know, this, which begs the question, well, how come ZDF are getting away with this, right? Mm. Basically because our energy companies, yeah, in this country are not, pri- are, are not public. Yeah. They're privatized. So they, own, they only owe their allegiance to their board of directors and their shareholders, mm. not to the country itself. So this is one pressing issue, which I think the, the government or the next prime minister will have to look at. But, and, mm. uh, and of course, the, the pay gap or the, the reason why pays have been cut yeah, let's address that uh, inflation. Inflation, yeah. yeah. That's obviously. So we, we, MPs have been giving, getting raises upon mm-hmm. raises. Um, I mean, I mean, so Rishi you, is what the richest MP. Uh, if he were to become prime minister, he will have. Well, he will be the richest uh, prime minister that we have ever had. He has a net worth of seven hundred and fifty million pounds, and that's including his wife's worth, right? So uh, to say that he has empathy for the common man, um, I don't see everyone walking around with a net worth of 750 million, mm. which would be great, actually, if we could lift the living standards to mm. his level. Mm. But uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that is the case. But to speak more regarding this, we're joined by our first guest of the day, uh, Shamila Iftika. And Shamila is a writer for Analyst News. So she should be able to shed more light into what are the qualities that we will require from our next par- uh, prime minister. Uh, peace be upon you. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show, Shamila. Um, thank you for well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me. So you know there are a number of problems that the new prime minister uh, is going to have to deal with when they take office uh, in the beginning of September. I mean, what do you think? should be the the top of his or her agenda? Well, tackling the cost of living crisis mm-hmm. would be the most important. And then there's the issue with the Brexit um, and the Northern Ireland prot- Protocol. That's caused a lot of disagreement. And then we've got um, the NHS backlog that also needs to be tackled um, and concerns with immigration. So these are all really important things that the new prime minister um, would need to be would need to keep mm-hmm. um, but, at the top of his agenda. But Shamila, I mean, um, from what I uh, have gathered from uh, both uh, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss's uh, campaigns to become um, the Conservative leader and thus the uh, you know UK's Prime Minister, is that I haven't really heard too much about these pressing issues. Um, they've been campaigning on the immigration front. Uh, to actually make the Rwandan policy workable, uh, also about tax cuts. So, do you think that you know, you know, there, there are the these are the two major things that have come, you know, have you know, kind of come out in the leadership race, uh, to to my view, and um, nothing about really uh, cost of living, nothing about Brexit because Brexit has been done. Uh, and nothing about um, the NHS. So is there a kind of disconnect between uh, these leadership um, campaigners, uh, these two, and the rest of the nation? There is, well, there does appear to seem uh, to be um, a disconnect because 
the cost of living crisis is, um, you know, something that is such a big issue for the common person. Um, and if it's not dealt with, then, um, you know, we've got people sort of, you know, going out, going out in protest and saying that their concerns should be um, sort of, you know, should be heard. Um, and then we've got the issue with Brexit and Northern Ireland protocol and things like that, which only worsen our relations with Northern Ireland. Um, and then the NHS backlog with um, the issue of the NHS potentially being privatised and Rishi Sunak even saying um, that actually you might, if elected as Prime Minister, expand um, privatisation within the NHS um, to um, stop people from having to find private treatment themselves. Um, But then that being, you know, that sort of, I suppose, um, sort of growing fears of you know the people who have been saying um, for so long that essentially the NHS will not remain free, and we might end up um, you know ha- having it privatised completely, and mm. people will not being able to access treatment, etc. So you know these are the issues that common people have, and if um, the prime minister, you know the person who's serving the people, um, doesn't address those issues, then that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So there's been, you know, uh, much discussion about how uh, there should be democratic reform or some type of reform, let's say, right, for this new mm-hmm. prime minister. There's only Tory members, uh, roughly about 160 odd thousand Tory members are allowed to vote regarding uh, who becomes prime minister. I mean, you know, do you agree with this? Um, not really. So the way the current process works for electing this new Prime Minister without triggering a general election, that the final two uh, contestants sort of fit their ideas, go to the Jews and Hastings and etc. And then there's a vote for the 200,000 or so Tory members um, who choose um, who would lead the country. Um, and then there's been criticism of that process because, um, for example, the former Vice Chair of the 1922 Committee, Charles Walker, um, did actually comment about this recent thing, saying that MPs know better the strengths and weaknesses of the candidates, um, and that they, and, and that they are the representatives, um, you know, sort of, of of their constituents at the end of the day. So, um, you know, they they should better they better know who would be, you know, who would be the best um, candidate for prime minister. In any case. Um, if you know, if MPs were given that opportunity, their decision would be scrutinised and challenged by their constituents, um, um, and if and when needed by their um, sort of con- um, constituents, they they would be challenged. Um, and so that, as people are pointing out, who um, becomes prime minister shouldn't really be chosen by about 0.42% of the electorate. There's, there is the argument that actually letting um, the Tory membership only vote um, is, is better than the, uh, letting 359 Tory MPs um, you know, choose uh, because some may just have vested interests um, and not be in touch with the electorate but then the rest of the country doesn't have a say in this either. 
and so it, it, it's not really a democratic process. If, mm, you know, mm. So you'd be. still you'd still like okay. open up the vote to the actual Tory members, as opposed to the more select uh, subset of Tory MPs. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. mm. Shmila, I mean, we're obviously at this point now where. It is look. It is likely. It is possible um, that we could potentially have a South Asian prime minister. Do you think having an ethnic minority in office can be an advantage to the ethnic minority population? Although, in terms of wage, in terms of living standards, it's completely different. More than whether the prime minister is an ethnic minority, what matters is whether they can understand the experiences and um, the needs of the people they're leading. Um, so the ethnic minority candidate for prime minister in this case um, is someone who's remained loyal for so long to a prime minister who's gone from controversy to controversy um, and did so with little apology. Um, some of what he pitches um, sort of includes 20% tax cuts um, by the end of the decade, which many, including his opponent, um, say would be too late considering we're going through a cost of living crisis. And then according to a YouGov poll, um, I think conducted in July, um, only about 17% of all ethnic minority Britons think an ethnic minority prime minister would make things a lot better for them, whereas about 39% said it would make no difference. And in the case of Rishi Sunak as a South Asian, well, um, about 20% of South Asian Britons um, think things will be much better under him and about 37 say it would make no difference um so you know it, it clearly people are already sort of in disagreement as to whether um it you know having an ethnic minority prime minister would be helpful mm. um in, in tackling their issues mm-hmm. mm. well uh Shmaila, it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon thank you for joining us on the drive time show today and sharing Uh, with us and our listeners, your views regarding uh, the priorities of the next Prime Minister. Thank you very much. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Um, I mean, I mean, we've spoken about one or two of the problems which the next Prime Minister should be looking at. Mm -hmm. But in your, I mean, in in your thinking, what do you think is um, one of the? I mean, I mean. Well, look, are we are we talking about which which candidate should be? No, forget the candidates, candidates now. The, I mean, it's because the juxtaposition of go. both candidates. Yeah, you've got one, like you said, Southeast Asian, and one traditionally, uh, you know, you know, traditionally uh, conservative values, though she has kind of like changed, uh, done an about turn because. Liz Truss was originally a Lib Dem yeah. who wanted to vote Remain. Yeah. So now she is a more kind of like right-wing uh, conservative, uh, fully uh, interested in the Brexit. Finding, she's, still, she's still finding her place where <laughs> <Yeah>. she wants <laughs> well, to be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Still finding her place. I mean, I think she herself has said that uh, politically her mother agrees with her, but there's no chance that her father would agree with her. Mm. Um, I mean, that's her personal view. Um, and I think, you know, it's held by quite a few, most probably in the country. Yeah. Um, and as to Rishi Sunak, I mean, you know, your question to Shamila was that, you know, do you think a Southeast Asian would help 
the cause of uh, ethnic minorities in the in, in in the country? I don't think it would, yeah. because you know uh, a point that she uh, Shamila pointed out is that it doesn't matter the the color. Uh, mm. Of the candidate, it's actually the integrity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and we talk in 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 terms of Islam, yeah. right? Uh, and you know what differentiates everybody, regardless of race, color, or creed. It's taqwa. It's righteousness. It's your nearness to God. I mean, because if, if that was the case, that someone who's a minority or someone who belongs to a particular um, background, mm-hmm. whether that would make them more sympathetic. To those who are similar, then Boris Johnson didn't do much for those who were Caucasian and were living in extreme difficulties. Those who were no, but he. I mean, if you were a, a Caucasian from Eton and you gone to Oxford, oh, no, then you'd be doing quite well. That's why I said those who are living in difficulties. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah. I mean, if someone has gone to Eton, and I mean, look, we we can talk about how all of those issues again. But there's. Uh, Coming back to these, the number of problems that we're facing, the pressing problems. Mm. We've got the cost of living. We've got the fuel prices on the rise. We've got on the rise. We've got Ukraine and Russia, um, and how we're continuing to provide money and ammunition and so forth instead of trying to push for a ceasefire, push for negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, we're essentially pouring more fuel to the fire. So we need someone who can. Obviously, try and stop that, delay it, try and bring some talk to the table. Some resolution. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, the issues of the NHS, mm-hmm. big issues of the NHS. Mm. We've got issues of Brexit, mm-hmm. um, although it's done, like we've said. but Oven ready. Yeah. And, and we have shot ourselves in the foot so hard. There's a gaping hole. Yeah, I don't think you've got any feet if you actually shot yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, you'll be hobbling around. So, yeah, I mean, you, you pose me the question. I'm not going to be uh, anywhere, shape or form, near any conservative party, right? I've never uh, personally kind of like held those views um, because like Mick Lynch, the... Uh, oh, the, he should, the, he should the, definitely be a politician. Well... I would love for him to be... His, his uh, I suppose foray out into why the, the, the positives of taxation right should be a lesson to all those uh, in power because taxation under uh, uh, the, the theory of Adam Smith back in the day uh, the canons of taxation was that basically it's a redistribution of wealth from the rich to the poor mm. right so there begs the question of where has this system gone wrong in our country? Um, but anyway, to talk more regarding this, we're joined by our next guest of the afternoon, uh, Siobhan Madoni, who is the MP for Mitcham and Morden. And uh, we've had Siobhan on a few times on the show and we're always welcoming her views regarding this. Good afternoon, Siobhan. Peace and blessings be upon you. Uh, good afternoon. So we're talking about uh, our topic of the day is the next prime minister and you know what you know what should they be addressing really uh, uh, when and if they get into power so what do you think that the new prime minister should be doing more uh, of to combat a the uh, the cost of living crisis um, well I can't possibly see how that um, the new prime minister or the government are going to um, not 
have to help people more, particularly poorer people, with their gas and electricity bills over the autumn Mm -hmm. um, because the likely rises uh, are larger uh, than anticipated and will continue to go up even uh, next year in January, where it's anticipated that the average family will have to pay £500 just for the month of uh, January. Um, But uh, according to uh, sources that uh, the government actually have uh, put out a, uh, a, I think it's a grant currently uh, towards your fuel bills of £400. So is that a bit kind of, um, you know, just a a little too little, too late? Uh, Well, actually, to be fair to them, they have done more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, um, The initial offer was £150 off. Uh, your council tax. That then was followed by measures that um, it's £650 for families on universal credit and £400 for other households um, and um, additional money for pensioners and people with disabilities. But even at that rate, it's still not enough to get people over the most significant um, fuel rises we've ever seen. Mm. I mean, so what can the government and what can the Prime Minister really do instead of, you know, trying to, um, you know, my the image that comes to my mind is the, you know, the little boy who's trying to stick his finger in all these holes through the dam, right? But the water's still kind of coming through and eventually that dam is going to burst. And we're reaching that, 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 that point, you know, one feels in the country. So there has to be a radical rethink, even with the energy sector, right? Because like when we, uh, at the top of the, the program, I don't know if you were listening in, you know, pointed out that EDF, uh, whilst in France, uh, there was a rise of 4% on energy prices because of the energy price cap uh, earlier on in the year in April, that rise was 54% in this country. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that's because we have a different way of uh, calculating the energy price cap. And all the energy price cap does is it pegs standing charges. Mm -hmm. So actually, if the cost of the fuel goes up, that's not covered by the uh, price cap, which is why we have the problems that we do. Mm -hmm. Also, EDF, I think, are part publicly owned in France. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's greater restriction on how much fuel prices can increase by. Mm. So I suppose uh, in that sense, then, then would would this windfall tax on uh, energy companies would that help? Because you know you can the you know the public purse is only so big. I mean, where are we going to get the revenue to actually offset these increases in the cost of living? Uh, well, as, as you were just discussing, both candidates now for the Tory leadership, both Liz Trust and Rishi Sunak, have offered quite significant tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's all about where do you want to spend your money? Uh, and so I would say um, that the best place to spend money and to give greater help is to those people most in need over the autumn and winter months. Mm-hmm. But what what mechanism? I'm trying to kind of like get get that uh, to our listeners what is the best mechanism uh, for doing that then well i think the best mechanism would be to increase people's universal credit mm-hmm. um, as you may recall during uh, when the lockdown came in uh, the government increased universal credit by 20 pounds a week or a thousand pounds a year 
um, and then uh, reduced it back down after the lockdown was over. Mm -hmm. So it's a relatively simple thing to do to increase the amount of money paid in universal credit and in pension credit. Mm -hmm. Sean, um, the party, the Conservative Party's pledge to go net zero by 2050, this is what they're trying to achieve. Do you think this is too late to tackle um, climate change? I mean, we're, we're seeing... Um, I mean, with the, with the weather changes, how I mean, we've we've all faced that this year, mm. and it's going to be increasing and getting hotter and hotter, and we're doing far too little, I think, to really make that change. Well, I think I think the government's targets are going to be very ambitious for them, um, because you might have noticed that Liz Truss also agreed to reduce the green taxes on fuel bills. Um, and that there are many people in the Conservative Party who are sceptical of the commitments they've made. So I think sticking to what they've actually agreed is going to be a significant problem for them. Mm-hmm. So regarding that, I mean, you know, sticking to the promises that you made, I mean, how important uh, in the current climate that we're in yeah, is having trust in your government? Well, I think trust is a really important thing very difficult to gain and very easy to lose Um, and I think when we go through a period of difficulty like um, inflation um, and fuel prices um, in the autumn and winter it's needed that that people trust their government to do the very best they can and I I think that's been shaken Mm -hmm. by Boris Johnson's difficulties with the truth Mm -hmm. but how will I mean, do you do you personally think that you know, with a new prime minister, whether it be either Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss, do you think that trust can be restored both in the you know in the Tory party and the government? I mean, it can be. It depends how they react to the problems they face and the country's faces. Um, actually, people are quite forgiving, um, but. Um, you know, we're going to need to see a lot more help for the people who really need it. We're going to um, need to be sure that they stick to what they say they're going to do. Um, and I think our experience over the last um, uh, few years has not been the case. Mm. Um, Siobhan, I mean, Islam teaches <laughs> that um, the, the, the leader of a nation serves the nation. This is the, the true characteristic of what a, a leader should be. Do do you feel like I mean we, what we've seen over the over the last few years that the country has been served to its I mean full capacity or or it's I mean the, the leaders have tried to really serve the people. Well, I think I just I just think um, that the dishonesty that the prime minister has shown is really corrosive. How mm. do you? You know, if you can't even believe somebody is going to tell you the truth, how can you have any trust in them at all? Um, So I think we are at a really difficult stage. And if you if you add to that concern about honesty, um, real fear for how you're going to meet your bills, how you're going to feed your family and keep them warm, I think it becomes very, very challenging. Well, Siobhan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you on the show. Thank you for joining us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show. Thank you very much. Thank good you. luck. Have a Thank good day. You. Bye. Bye.
or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Um, yeah, I, you know that's the thing. You know how are they going to fix these problems? I mean, they haven't got a magic wand, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're not. I'm trying to think of the Harry Potter professor, Dumbledore. Professor right? Dumbledore. Huh? Professor Dumbledore. A wave of his wand and everything will be fine and hunky-dory. Yeah. And I think one of the things that um, Siobhan was saying is the trust issue. It's one thing to believe, and this is the thing that I feel has been the greatest disconnect from, let's say, Downing Street, the Prime Minister's office, not just to from there to the rest of the Conservative Party, but then on a greater scale, the whole of the country has been this non this this uh, unsympathetic this you know there's no empathy between the leader and the people the people mm. and to understand their plight and not just to pay lip service to it but to truly understand their plight and to you know if that is the case then to rectify that because as Siobhan has said you know even during COVID uh, universal credit was increased by £20 a week so that's a £1,000 a month uh, sorry £1,000 a year the mechanism to actually alleviate people's um, need currently uh, during this you know cost of living crisis is there yeah is there Her Majesty's uh, revenue and excise can easily distribute this money. My point is, though, the public purse is not a blank check. It's not carte blanche that you can keep on writing. So when both candidates are touting tax cuts, tax cuts, then how, right, how on earth are we to keep our services? No wonder... The National Health Service is on its knees, mm. right? No wonder we are seeing a raft, a raft of uh, strikes, and we're not even seeing. We're only seeing the big strikes, okay? Um, there's transport unions, local transport unions. Yeah, buses in Liverpool have been on strike, mm. so we don't see those because they're not affecting the whole nation. We're going to get strikes, or currently we have barristers on strike. Currently, we have transport uh, transport members on strike. We're gonna maybe effectively have teachers coming on strike. Mm. Mick Lynch has called actually for a general strike. Now, you're a bit young, but I still remember this: uh, the winter of discontent. So I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners actually remember this or remember hearing this this terminology, the winter of discontent. So that was in 1978-79. And actually, that brought the downfall of the then Labour government. uh, And the Prime Minister then was Jim Callaghan. And Margaret Thatcher rode triumphant, promising, um, you know, trade union reform. Because at that point in time, it was the trade unions once again saying, look, we need to fight for our rights. And, you know, there was literally, uh, you know, firemen went on strike. Um, in London or across the country at that time, dustmen were on strike. So there was, you know, piles of litter on the on the you know, on the streets. Mm. 
So you might argue, well, actually, isn't that an inconvenience, actually having a strike? But if you look at, say, for instance, um, Marxist theory, Marxist theory purports here that actually the only thing that you as one person can withhold and actually make a statement is your labor, mm. right? You can shout to your heart's content, but actually if you withhold your labor, that is what is going to make a statement. And if you do it collectively, then, you know, you have Everything power. Everything goes in standstill. Yeah, you have power then. So you might argue that actually, well, why do people go on strike? Come on, yeah, it's an inconvenience. I can't get... I have to wait in a two-hour queue now to get on board my flight to go on holiday, mm. right? It's an inconvenience. Uh, I have to get to work. I can't use the tubes. I can't use Overrail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But look at what the rights of trade unions, right, when they have actually gone on strike, actually won. They've made a difference. They've made a difference, right? And really, why are they striking? They're striking, and if you listen to all the people that are on, on the picket lines, one and one and only thing, and that is to actually have a pay rise which is in line with inflation. Because if you have a pay rise, inflation is currently around about 9.6%. So if your pay rise is 4.5%, then you're still going to be out of pocket. Yeah. So how can you... So it's a right to actually just have a decent wage. It's not having some uh, exorbitant increase right in your wages so that you can i don't know have a uh, a latte with extra cream and nuts and whatever on it is actually not to actually have to go to and struggled yeah bills. have to go to a food bank or most probably in the winter time come autumn go to a not a food bank but a, a fuel bank so can you imagine that this you know we were before brexit definitely uh, 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 around the world yeah number six in gdp yeah the uk i don't know where we are now currently but if we look at and take a really true um view of where our country is now how can we be how can we have more food banks than there are mcdonald's mm. and to talk more about the problems that we're facing we have with us our next guest on the line, Aisha Nassim. Aisha is a historian and is currently completing her master's in history at Manchester Metropolitan University. Aisha, assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Tram Show. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here with us. You, you, you are listening to the the problems that we're rant. Where the the rant is almost are, a rant. Sorry. The, <laughs> what are, What are your thoughts, Aisha, of the of the problems that we're facing in our country, and what do you think really needs to happen to to make a change? I think to begin with, we just need certainty of of all sorts, I guess, With uh, to begin with leadership, because we are currently, of course, we have a government and a cabinet, but we have a prime minister who has lost confidence, essentially, and um, we are just waiting for another leader to be appointed. So I guess at this time, with everything that's going on, we, we need certainty. There's a, there's a war going on in Europe, which puts the security of the entire continent and the world at risk. And we don't know how it's going to end. But then we've got this cost of living crisis that's worsening every day. And, you know, while people's in income stay the same and the government has in many ways not provided the support that it, that the people need right now, 
and you were talking about earlier the pressure on the NHS and the transport companies and things like that. And I think that's and after the pandemic, I think it's just been worse um, while this uncertainty drags on. So I think what we really need right now is is leadership and certainty in in every sense, mm-hmm. because what we are seeing a lot right now is uh, these two candidates who are um, standing for for the party leader. They are speaking more about tough narratives on international relations or making this a leadership contest contest about who is a better prime who will be a better prime minister than the one we have right now when really they should be talking about how they're going to get this country out of the mess and chaos that it is in really but so, Aisha, Aisha, can I just interject there? Why do you think that is the case i mean wouldn't the, you wouldn't you if you were actually vying for leadership say, "Look, you know what?" I not only have a plan to win, right, to become, you know, leader of the Conservative Party and de facto the next prime minister, but I have a plan to take the UK out of the living, uh, this live, cost of living crisis and, you know, put us back to where we were once were. Wouldn't that be a better kind of image or campaign to uh, uphold as opposed to, I mean, why is why why are neither of the candidates approaching it from that viewpoint i think because it's it's about right now they are not just getting the support they're not getting the support or seeking to get the support of the public mm-hmm. you aren't speaking about the majority of the country here you're talking about your party members your mps and really um r- at stake here is the interest of that candidate or the party not the people mm. um and i think that's where the that's where the problem lies like if if well, whoever is elected and whoever gets to take that office will eventually will be faced with the question and the frustration of the public because things things aren't on a very certain stand right now mm. and there'll come a point where the public will be frustrated as well and will take it out on politicians and government so and and to be fair like de- democratically yes you've got a general election to take that out on but like we're already seeing people are protesting people you know, are questioning the decisions the government is making. And then you have these two leaders saying, we'll come to that, we'll take that office and we'll change it. But they aren't really saying how. Um, and I think what we have seen in the recent years is just speaking mere words rather than actual action. And which, to be fair with you, not to find very pessimistic, but like, <laughs> I don't see it coming anytime soon either. Mm. So, um, so, so I think I that's should. where the problem lies. Yeah, so that's where the problem lies. So, yeah, it's this issue of trust, right? So yeah. in 2021, a survey of Britons uh, were likely to have little trust, little or no trust within the government. How much do you personally trust the government? And, you know, what should, you know, this new prime minister, he or she, what should they do to restore trust if they can? I mean, like I was saying earlier, there's a, there's a clear reason why people are losing trust. You know, there's you, if you, you name it, honesty, integrity, and co- accountability, and having the you know courage to admit that you your you or your government has done something wrong, and that you will take responsibility for it. These are basic, bare minimum values for any leader, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen any of them, you know, in in recent weeks and months. Mm-hmm. We have seen, you know, we've seen repeated lies, we've, despite the evidence, you know, glaring at us, but leadership just failed to acknowledge they did, they got something wrong and i think that's why you will see people turning away from you know having trust in the government why should i trust that you know like i'm not talking about in a general sense 
why should you trust your government if you're struggling to make your ends meet you're going to work you're doing you're paying your taxes you know you're you're following your rules but you are the one at the end who you know has to make the ends meet and make sure that your kids get your three meals a day mm-hmm. and have a house on their head you know while the government can talks about all this integrity and and you know tells people to do that but doesn't do it themselves mm. and i think if you're going to be in that situation then of course people will lose trust that's just a very natural response and in a democratic country the way we instill our trust is by voting for a political party or a leader and once we have made that decision it's then on the people we have voted for to take that responsibility which half of the time they don't mm. so of course if you if you're going to disregard that vote and that trust that people give to you then of course they're not going to, t- to come back to you and i think that's that's a problem not just conservatives face right now but labor does as well and i think like a lot personally i'm thinking if there's a general election in two weeks who will i vote for mm-hmm. because i don't see can any I, can, can i ask you who you'd vote for do i have to say that here <laughs> no no you don't i mean it's your personal thing but you know um would it be more of a tactical vote uh, as opposed to let's, let's put it this way the scenario is this you don't particularly like the the Labour candidate you don't particularly like the Conservative candidate you can't see a way forward so uh, as opposed to actually having candidates that you personally think right okay I'm going to put my vote with this person because I can see that they have policies and in their manifesto there is some semblance of truth some semblance that the economy will get better right Mm -hmm. now if that were not the case then would it be more of a tactical vote like actually they're all a bunch of for one of another word idiots right Mm -hmm. um so actually you know what i'm going to pick the least kind of like uh, objectionable one or would you actually abstain i i think that's quite an interesting question because i would there's always an option of tactical voting you can vote for a party that doesn't really stand a chance but you know looks more transparent than the main ones but then you can also i mean in terms of the uk's electoral system you vote for your mp your local constituent so if if i think that my local constituency and the candidates there are offering something that the town or the city needs then maybe i'll vote for them thinking that in mind mm-hmm. and that's like it that's really i won't say who i would vote for but that's really been conservative because the <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of the decisions that were made in parliament my local mps voted for them mm-hmm. so and i and i don't believe in them so i wouldn't vote for that but you've also you've always got an option of looking i think that's the benefit of having local um so many options in, in our election mm-hmm. that you, you can always go for the least main party if you thought that they were offering something even if they don't stand a chance to win because mm-hmm. at least you're not wasting your vote mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree i mean for all those uh out there listeners who find that politics is boring and that actually what's the po- mm-hmm. i mean a, a lot of it is apathy as well right Aisha, yeah. yeah, and it's like, look, what's the point of me voting? This rabble, they get into power. They're just out to grab everything for themselves. They don't really care about us. So why should I care about voting? I mean, mm-hmm. I personally, I think that that works into the strategy of those who have power, right? Absolutely. Because when you do not cast your vote, then you don't have actually as, as simple as this. You don't have the right to complain. 
Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely right. You've you've got a chance to vote. You've got a chance to protest mm. using that vote. And it's okay if the person you vote for doesn't win, but at least you have exercised your judgment mm-hmm. and have done something that you that's the most you can do, really. A public, an ordinary person, the most they can do to change who are in power or to protest to, the, to those who are in power is by voting. And why shouldn't you use that route? If, if we talk about protesting as, a, as our right, as a democratic right, then voting is our democratic right as well, and we should, we should exercise it. Mm-hmm. Well, Asha, we hope and pray that uh, we can see a brighter future, a more trustworthy future for our country. Um, uh, but until then, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you on the Drive Time Show today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or voice or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And just as my co-host eloquently kind of like ended uh, you know, our, our, our chat with Aisha, a saying came to me. You know, uh, as night comes, as night is dark, always remember that dawn will come. Mm. But you, what you don't want, what you don't want, is for that night to be really long. Yeah, but you know what? As God has ordained, it's it's always a set time, isn't it? The sun Dawn, will rise. The sun will rise, right? Mm. Although you know we, you know, and that is the thing that you know God has given us. Actually, uh, intrinsically, He has given us you know that capacity for hope, mm. and it's with that that you go on, that you strive on. I mean, in terms of Islam. You know, uh, is there anything that you know? Either of these, um, either of these, uh, these these candidates for uh, our next prime minister can glean from the beautiful teachings of Islam, right? To 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 guide them. I mean, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had spoken about. I mean, we mentioned it earlier about what a true leader should be, and mm-hmm. that is to serve your people. Uh, the the a leader of a nation is the one who serves the nation. Um, and then, I mean, His Holiness also said as well, uh, <clears throat> the global caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, he said recently that wherever you see that the leadership is good, they are honest with their people, those countries are flourishing or developing to some extent. But our country isn't flourishing. Our country isn't developing mm-hmm. as it should be. I mean, we've seen our G- with our GDP as well. I mean, we're, we're most likely we've fallen from our ranks um yes definitely i mean you know what don't get me started again (laughs) (laughs) so i mean so essentially what we're doing is we are losing the trust we are not leading Mm -hmm. we're losing Mm -hmm. the country is losing um be like manu (laughs) we'll be back we'll be back manu will be back the country might not the government might not (laughs) but the man united will be back hopefully but i mean i mean essentially I mean, if we're, we have, his owner said that we have to make them, or that we have to make the world leaders realize that there is one God, mm-hmm. and don't think that this is the only world. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of everyone, everyone is thinking about what we want to do now, what we're going to change. I mean, that's part and parcel of everything, but mm. there's a bigger picture, yeah. and we don't look at the bigger picture. And that bigger picture comes when you really serve everyone else, when you realize that mm. just as we're suffering, just as um, okay, if I'm just as we're suffering, the other person's suffering as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's uh, reality is now rooted in materialism and always has been. 
I suppose. Yeah. But really, we need to hearken to our, our creator once again. But with that, we're going to go to the five o'clock news. Please join us afterwards when we will be celebrating Yorkshire. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome back to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. Uh, you're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Tahir Khalid. For how long? We don't know. Because um, I'll have to tell, you know, it is a bittersweet, yes, bittersweet moment in uh, today's uh, today's program because, uh, you know, um, my long, long, long time co-host uh, at the at the helm here on Monday will be leaving to the wilds of Stevenage in the the wilds of Stevenage, <laughs> yeah, uh, in the not too distant future. So. Uh, it is with a heavy heart, but um, with hope as well, that uh, I'm sure he'll do great things out there in Stevenage, uh, attending the, 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 the flock of uh, the local community of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community out there, and the wider extent, uh, the, the populace of Stevenage. But uh, any parting words? Oh. Any memories from Monday's uh, drive time shows? You know what? I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, there's not. There, I can't pick out any faults or any flaws or any any moment where I felt like oh, I don't want to present today. So I mean, how come so many times you didn't come in? <laughs> <laughs> Unless there was a pressing issue, I've I've not been able to come. But I mean, but uh, I'm regularly I'm here apart from the past few weeks because <laughs> I had to take leave off. Um, no, no, that's understandable. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, as as a as a as a co-host, yeah, I'm like, um, and actually not as a co-host, you know, I, it is a question that the technical side always asks me as I, I turn up into the studios, like, uh, so Talib, uh, who's coming? <laughs> so it's a bit of it's a bit of a potpourri, really. Yeah. It's a bit of a lottery. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm honestly, I'm going to miss Monday shows. I'm really going to miss yeah. presenting with you. I'm going to miss the, the good conversations we've had. I mean, mm. every show is good with you. Yeah. Every show we've... No, no, likewise, likewise. Well, I think we have a synergy, the juxtaposition of uh, Islamic knowledge and basically, you know, contemporary sentiments, right, from myself. <laughs> it's that, you know, that that play between us, I think, which gives a synergy... A good uh, balance. Uh, a, a balance. Mm. But actually, even the producers, you know, feel... But actually, you know, Tahir, you, know, you you leaving us, yeah. They wanted to show a bit of appreciation. So I am just an embodiment of the producers today. And as I reach across and present uh, my, my, my co-host with a few assortments of knickknacks, uh, oh, right? No. So, so there we go. Uh, a Voice <laughs> of Islam mug with some sentiments there. That is amazing. Oh, wow. A, a card for later uh, consumption. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh. And it would be remiss if we didn't give Dai Khalid something sweet uh, to let him chomp on. So, yeah, uh, a, a variety of cupcakes. I'm sure he'll enjoy. Oh, man, you, this is Not too me, much. The production, the, the producers. Uh, thank you for, <laughs> for, for, for the... And uh, yes, as you can tell, he, he quite that likes it. That is funny. That is... Uh, I mean... To, to all of the I mean without the producers without the researchers without yourself without the technical staff I mean I don't, I don't think any of the shows mm -hmm. across Voice of Islam would be as successful as they are 
Um, so I, re- I mean, all of the technical staff, the producers, <clears throat> it's, um, it's. I mean, they've they've done an amazing, uh, amazing amount of effort they put in mm. each week, each week, um, each uh, week on every show, really. Yeah, every single yeah. show. Um, so it's. Um, I mean, I'm really thankful to them as well uh, and to yourself. And th- but this is too much. This is <laughs> That's all right. You can give me half the half the cupcakes. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping not this one. I'm keeping. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we we do digress. Uh, our next uh, topic actually is quite quite important because it is the first of August and it's Yorkshire Day. So we're celebrating all things of Yorkshire and Yorkshireness. Uh, and you know, in fact, we've even got a, a our Insta story. Which is, you know, um, what's the best thing about Yorkshire? You know, could it be the scenery? Could it be the food? Could it be actually, you know, some of the uh, the, the 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 famous people that have come out of uh, come out of Yorkshire? So please, you know, give us some give us some uh, input there on our Insta story and tell us what uh, you think is great about Yorkshire. But uh, in terms of uh, when we talk about Yorkshire, I mean, it's it's I, I, I do believe uh, um, one of the biggest, if not the uh, biggest. Someone can call in and correct me. County in, uh, in 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 England, and you know, Yorkshire is is steeped in history uh, in Northern Ireland. And it's known actually for its Roman and Viking heritage. Now, in Islam, it's always emphasized the importance of traveling and exploring the world. Uh, in the Holy Quran, chapter 29, verse 21, Allah uh, states that, say, travel in the earth and see how he originated the creation. Then will Allah provide the latter creation. Surely Allah has power over all things. And, you know, with that sentiment, I, I do actually remember being on top of, I think it's, uh, is it Red Tor? So that's uh, kind of one of the mountains in the Lake District. Mm. And looking out <clears throat> towards uh, the coast, I could see, um, you know, kind of like in the distance, Liverpool. And just the, you know, when you actually are in the Lake District, uh, and people know Lake Windermere, but there are so many different meres uh, around as well, yeah, lakes mm. around there. The absolute beauty of the scenery and the countryside there is breathtaking. Mm. Um, it is. It's just quintessentially England. Yeah. There's one point where there's one place where I really like to go when I go up in Yorkshire, and that's Keithley. Mm. Yeah. Keithley is a very nice small village, a small town, um, and they've got. I think just I think around the outskirts of Keithley, these these two towers. I think they called. I, th- I think they called like salt and pepper. Something okay. like this, but um, you can go up and there's this one point where there's a view, there's a viewpoint in in Keithley, and you can see like a lot of Yorkshire Dales. You can see um, a lot of Keithley, like the mountainside. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I mean, it, mm. it's it, and the people are really hospitable, mm-hmm. um, really kind, really caring. Um, I mean, yeah, it is. It is. It I is. mean, is it true, right? When you go. There is that distinction, that that uh, uh, you know disconnect between the north and the south. I mean, there is a big you know disconnect. you know kind of like everyone says, yeah, northerners, you know, especially from Yorkshire, are so much more welcoming, so much more you know easy to talk to than mm-hmm. say a Londoner, a southerner. I, I don't think it's just north and south. I think it's London and everyone else. 
I think it's <laughs> I think it's London and everyone else. It's mm-hmm. well, you're going to be the, able, able to tell us that, you know, when we call you right from Stevenage. I mean, the, the, well, I've seen the further away you are from London, yeah, the nicer the people are. Okay, this is what I've seen. I mean, I've seen. I mean, Bradford, why, do you, why do you think that is then? I I'm, I feel, and this is just the general public. I'm not talking yeah. about community members because mm-hmm. community members, everyone's nice here. Yeah, but I'm talking about general public. When you meet them, over here, no one. When you're passing across the street, no one stops to say hi, hello, mm-hmm. how are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. No one. But outside, I mean, I've I went. I've been Scotland. I've been. Uh, up in Bradford, I've been up in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. um, Glasgow, Edinburgh, all of these places. I've seen people are very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll ask how you're doing, how are you just just to stop and say hi. Mm-hmm. Y- you don't get that here in London. Mm-hmm. And, Maybe and it is that big city feel. The, the just I mean, literally just just to yeah, it could be, but mm. just to be caring, just to be nice. Um, yeah, I mean, people are really nice in London. People are. There's amazing people in London, all across London. Mm-hmm. But just that general feel of when you're going across the street and people are like saying hi to one another, mm-hmm. it's it's a nice Etty thump. Yeah, it's it's a nice mm-hmm. feel. Well, actually, you know Yorkshire Day history, right? So Yorkshire Day uh, was established in 1975 and has been celebrated each year since. And the nature of the region and its people meant. It was quickly adopted and has uh, grown in significance year on year. Now, the decision to mark Yorkshire Day uh, with an annual civic gathering of mayors, Lord Mayors and uh, their attendants and other dignitaries in full costume and regalia uh, was taken at a meeting of local authorities within the boundary of the old county of Yorkshire, i.e. the three ridings and York and the Yorkshire Society at County Hall Wakefield uh, on June uh, the 29th in 1985. Now, the Yorkshire Society was then charged with uh, the guardianship of the idea and organising the annual event, which now forms the centrepiece and focal point for the celebrations undertaken across the whole region. Now, uh, the official Yorkshire Day civic celebration uh, adds pomp and circumstance to a day of pride for the region which is like a nation within a nation having its own flag its own language own anthem even and its own culture it is undoubtedly the biggest gathering of first citizens and civic leaders in the uk and probably one of the biggest sorry uh, biggest in the world and uh, we're actually joined by our first guest of the day regarding this uh, Rashta Ahmed, who is the uh, Ladies Auxiliary uh, Secretary for Jewsbury. Peace and blessings be upon you, uh, Rashta. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Assalamu alaikum. Jazakallah for giving me the time. Uh, very glad to be here today. Okay. So we're celebrating Yorkshire Day, uh, as are you, I suppose, because you're in Yorkshire. So how long have you lived in Yorkshire? And how would you describe the area in terms of uh, the people and their culture? Um, I've lived in Yorkshire for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, before that, I was in Pakistan, and then I got married and moved to England. So, And I've always lived in Yorkshire. Um, so in terms of uh, like people and culture, um, the culture of Yorkshire has developed over the county's history, as you briefly read out all the things that took place in creating the Yorkshire Day. Um, and the culture has taken influences from those who came to rule the region, like Romans, Vikings and Normans. Uh, but also, 
they've, I mean, they've left their influence, but again, times have changed you know, over the years. Diversity mm-hmm. is the life and soul of Yorkshire now. Um, and the people of Yorkshire are very friendly. I mean, I mean, you might say I'm a bit biased because I've always lived here. <laughs> right, but okay. <laughs> but it, it's very true. The people of Yorkshire are very friendly, very down to earth. And they are immensely proud of their um, county and their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so much so that they've nicknamed Yorkshire as God's own country. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how how could you top that compliment? Uh, in I mean, I was I was just saying actually, Rushda, that uh, I've been you know visiting say areas of of natural uh, yeah. kind of like um, beauty, right? The Lake District, okay. everyone knows, and you know when you actually stand on those peaks and you look around, um, yeah. it is truly <laughs> you you believe. I mean, in fact, you you are very have that oneness with. With Allah uh, yeah, yeah, because you think, Absolutely. how can you know? How can anyone? How can any human have created this, right? Because it is so, so wonderful, and there is the variety. I mean, you have that of, um, uh, you know, that that beauty in the Lake District. But I've also been just on the outskirts of Sheffield, and you see the Peak District. So that's slightly oh, different, yeah. So you know, there, there is the, uh, striking kind of like, um, I suppose, variety of scenery in Yorkshire. There is beautiful, breathtaking places. Um, and I'll, I'll just quickly tell you an incident. I, As I said, I'm originally from Pakistan. So one mm-hmm. of the times when I was coming back from Pakistan, I was watching a movie on the way. Um, and they were showing the scenery of um, the aerial shots of um, the Yorkshire. And I felt so proud. Like, you know, I mean, I'm from Pakistan. I have a lot of love for Pakistan. But when I saw that scenery, I was like, I felt like, like I'm go- I live here. I'm going back home. You know, this is such mm-hmm. a beautiful country. The beauty and the scenery is absolutely amazing. And there are some really nice areas to see. And I'm very happy that you've been and actually mm-hmm. witnessed those places. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, and I've sampled. I mean, okay, let's let's not talk about. Let's get back to what today is. So today is Yorkshire yeah. Day, right? So yeah, what are you uh, or what are some of your favourite things to do and actually see in the region? Uh, I mean, today is Yorkshire Day. First of August is celebrated every year, and the day is devoted to showing the world just how proud locals are of Yorkshire and its mm-hmm. history. Uh, and then tradition. I mean, there are traditional celebrations which you just went through briefly, um, like the Lord Mayors would gather and public figures, and they'll have a meeting and Thanksgiving and stuff. But then on a, on a day-to-day level, people have street parties, or they'll have like a little street parade where communities and um, people get together and share their love and pride of the county. Um, but also on the community level, like as an Ahmadiyya Muslim community. This gives us a chance to give something back to the community, commemorate the day with something that we've done. Uh, so like um, pre-COVID, uh, we organized this Yorkshire Day Tea Party to help the forget-me-not children hospice. Um, and at that time, we didn't have a mosque. So we reached um, out to a local church, and they were very happy to have let us have the church and do the fundraising. Uh, so these are the different ways of, you know, like... Um, doing the celebrations and remembering the day uh, and just getting together and putting something back into the community. Mm. Um, Rashida, Yorkshire is also famous for its hearty food dishes. What what are some of the must-try local specialities? And can I just oh, interject the, there, Rashida? You you have to pick something else apart from Yorkshire pudding. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I would, that was 
first thing on my list anyway you you've named it. I mean you have to say it's really nice it's really tasty yeah. and it's so simple to make it's a very simple batter uh, and it makes amazing yorkshire puddings uh, but then there's the good old fish and chips mm-hmm. um, and you know we've been oh, blessed yes. with really good yeah I mean uh, yeah, when yeah. it's nice and crispy batter uh, and with some salt and vinegar on top you can't beat that um, and we are very proud of that. We do enjoy that from time to time. But apart from that, um, Yorkshire is also well known for rhubarb production. Oh, um, okay. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, something called the rhubarb triangle. Um, no. It's an area, uh, sorry, it's an area in Yorkshire, which is between um, Leeds, Bradford and Wakefield. Okay. And it's a nine square miles area of uh, rhubarb production. Uh, uh, and it's quite tasty. Um, it's like the plant stems are boiled in sugar mm-hmm. and then used for making jams and pies and chutneys. And it's so popular that a food and drink rhubarb festival um, takes place every year in Wakefield. Um, and then there's another little specialty known as parkin. I don't know if you've heard of the name. It's the cake. Parkin. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, love it. Yes. yes. You do? Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's like uh, a sticky toffee pudding it kind is, of thing, right? It is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's really tasty. It's made of uh, butter, honey, flour, oats, treats. All and good things. Ginger. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's, it's, I mean, it's traditionally made to be served around Guy Fawkes nights, mm-hmm. uh, but you can enjoy it all year round. So these are just a few of the things. And yeah, Yorkshire pudding was top of the list. <laughs> Mm. So finally, I mean, it's also the summer holidays and many families uh, may be looking to uh, take holidays, you know, staycations now, uh, obviously because of all the queues in, 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 you know, in, in the uh, to go abroad. So it's a lot easier to stay in the UK, maybe. Right. So, you know, would you recommend visiting any particular part of Yorkshire during the school holidays? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful areas. I mean, why why go abroad when you can go to beautiful towns and cities like Whitby, Bridlington, Scarborough, Filey? Yeah, Filey. And you donuts know, I mean, in Filey. Yes, yes, I remember now. <laughs> beautiful beach, yeah. really beautiful area. And I mean, if we aren't having the typical British weather, <laughs> we, mm. which we have been really blessed with the last few weeks, um, we've had sunshine and stuff. Seaside is a beautiful place to go to with family and a really nice day out. Uh, but then if it's like a, you want a bit more exciting place, you could visit York, uh, which is a beautiful city. Um, it is within like within one square mile, you've got over 30 attractions, so mm-hmm. really spoiled for choice. And when you're walking down those medieval cobble streets and, you know, you can soak up the history of the city, which was once ruled by... Romans and the Vikings, mm-hmm. um, and the York Minster is is just an absolute beautiful, stunning architecture mm-hmm. and beautiful exterior to look at. That's definitely worth a day out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have come across Betty's Tea Rooms. I don't know if you've it's, Betty's uh, Tea another, Rooms is that in York? Yeah, it's it's in York. It's in oh, Ilkley okay. and Harrogate as well. Actually, they've it's mm. another northern specialty. Um, it started with a little bakery. But it's become a very big thing in itself now, Betty's Tea Rooms. Mm. Um, I mean, really worth visiting for a cup, cup and a cake and, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then there's the Bronte sisters. Uh, oh, I mean, yes, the, the Brontes, yes. Yes, the Brontes. They, yeah. They're from Howard, which is near uh, Bradford. Mm-hmm. There's a whole museum dedicated to their, to their everyday stuff, to their family memorabilia and their books, of course, literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the literature lovers, uh, and it's really beautiful 
box around Havas, um, mm. again, the public streets and the, you know, the, the countryside and everywhere. And then not to mention the Yorkshire Dales mm-hmm. and uh, the National Park, they are absolutely beautiful, miles and miles of really mm. nice walks. So these are just a few, um, you know, glimpses into uh, amazing mm. I think, summer holidays. I think- I think you've. Please uh, come to Yorkshire. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you've uh, single-handedly yeah, uh, put Yorkshire on the map. I think, uh, in oh, fact, if yeah. Yorkshire had yeah. a tourist board, um, you'd be the representative for it, Rashida. I'd, I'd be happy to recommend <laughs> quite a few other places, but these are definitely worth it. No, no, no. I, I, I totally, totally agree. No, thank you uh, for. Just, just one oh, question okay. I have, Rashida. Um, Sorry. Yeah. I've, I've always seen that the, I mean, the people around Yorkshire are north of England they're very nice very hospitable um, and you've obviously you've, you you must have seen that as well um, yeah. what do you think is the difference why is why do you think there's a difference between Londoners and those out of London uh, I, I mean I, to be honest with my limited experience I, it may come down to just the way we live uh, I think London is such a busy area is a I mean, the, the people are very nice, but I think the long working hours, uh, the, the daily grind uh, really adds to the pressure maybe. Whereas when you come to Yorkshire, you feel the difference straight away. Life is a bit more slower. The, the pace is a bit more calmer. You have time to stop and smell the roses. Uh, so, uh, and I don't know whether it is something naturally ingrained in Yorkshire people that you just can't help but reach out to the person next, sitting next to you and almost tell them the story of your life uh, without even asking them anything. So I think the difference is maybe just the way we lead our lives, actually. Um, if people in London stopped a little bit and took a bit more time, maybe, maybe they might be, I'm sure they're very nice people, and I've come across some really nice people, but when I come to Yorkshire, I can feel the difference. Mm. Sorry if I've offended anyone. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 of course. It's, 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 it's good to be patriotic even if that's on a regional basis yeah 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 i mean there's nothing wrong with uh, uh promoting the good things in in your county oh, there's and, and, many, and many there's many yorkshire. many in yorkshire okay yeah. rashida it's been a pleasure speaking to you uh this oh, afternoon yeah. on yorkshire day thank you for joining us on the drive thank show. you sir. oh it's been a pleasure thank, thank you very you. much peace and blessings be upon you 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. So I did say we had an Insta story. We put out an Insta story regarding Yorkshire Day and some of the answers that have actually come back regarding Yorkshire. You know, what, what, what comes to your mind when you think of Yorkshire uh, are, and some of them are the accent and people, Yorkshire tea. I mean, I'm, I'm a great proponent of Yorkshire tea. Love it. Uh, it's cheap. Okay, well, the whole of Yorkshire. Okay, that's one. Uh, the super friendly people, and uh, yeah, Doctor Aviz Hafiz. Aziz Hafiz. Uh, sorry, Aziz Hafiz. Now that is a bit of a joke within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because you know there's a great love for this character, and he is certainly a character. Uh, he, um, I, I really, could, if if I were to have one word to describe Doctor Hafiz is um, energetic. Selfless energetic. Selfless energy. That man <laughs> is like Duracell on the actual steroids. Bunny. The actual bunny itself. <laughs> yeah, on steroids. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, much love goes out to him as well, and I totally agree with that. But actually, talking to Rushda, when she's like mentioned some of the places uh, in 
uh, Yorkshire. I remember, you know, quite quite a long time ago, uh, a few friends from there, and they actually took me. You know, just I was staying up in Leeds, and we went to Filey, so that's on the coast. And you know, I'm a I'm a foodie, right? I, mm. I just for me, it's not just the place, but what I've ate there, which mm. will actually bring me back to that memory of that place. Yeah, and it's having these fresh really kind of like cute little donuts right they were coming off this like donut carousel and just dropping you know dropping off and i was just fascinated by the the machinery uh and you know because we're we're just uh a week away and not even a week away right just days away from the the jolsa solana uk and uh one of the greatest inventions or, or innovations of jolsa is the roti plant. So it's a plant which makes roti, right? So I'm very much interested in these things. And it's very much like the conveyor belt at the roti uh, plant, this donut conveyor belt. So these kind of little rings of donut will kind of travel down this this escalator and then drop into this vat of you know oil, plop up, and then be picked up and then dropped into this sugar. And then kind of like just slide down and the smell of it was just awesome, right? And uh, yeah, just you know that for me and fish and chips on Filey Beach, absolute quintessential Yorkshire. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, I mean, <clears throat> something a bit more local would be Crisper Creams. <laughs> of the A3 literally I've been, I remember the first time I saw that I was like wow it's literally the same thing you said because you, you, it's got a, it's got a glass screen you can see everything and I bet I bet yeah my co-host was waiting for the Krispy Kreme red site to come up it was on, on when, two days ago what yeah. Saturday night it was on so, so, so you get a free Krispy Kreme I believe do you yeah. still get that yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We've got six free donuts. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, without further ado, we're, we're joined by our next guest uh, today regarding uh, all things good in Yorkshire, and that is Zaib Ansari. Uh, Zaib Ansari is an NHS dentist, former Bradford resident, food enthusiast. So, I look forward to speaking to him. Uh, peace, be, uh, peace be upon you. Zaib, thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah. It's a pleasure to be here. Can I just start by correcting the pronunciation oh, of my name? Of it's course. Zabe. Zabe. Apologies, yeah, Zabe. Uh, so, gr- right. so growing up in Bradford. Okay. So growing up in Bradford, yeah. How would you describe the food scene in you know the Bradford area? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were sum that up in a word, uh, I would say epic, and to just further elaborate <laughs> epic. on it, um, I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this, and it just took me down a sort of a, a trip down memory lane, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of, uh, when I was in year five, um, and there used to be a little grocery shop adjacent to the school I attended, mm-hmm. and uh, at lunchtime, a few of us would uh, sort of sneak out the playground obviously not to be recommended these days mm-hmm. um and uh, we'd visit this shop where the the wife of the owner she'd be selling um homemade kebab sandwiches and freshly fried chips with like green chutney on top oh okay and, and getting yeah, masala, and, and 90, masala chips yeah absolutely and 90p went a long way in those days and the chips in a little in a little paper bag with the chutney on top were mm-hmm. 30 30 and um, yeah, generally through um, into the sort of 90s and early 2000s, the food scene, obviously that was the time uh, where I resided in Bradford, 
uh, prior to um, reading uh, my degree at Birmingham. And uh, that was dominated really by uh, doner kebab places and barbecue, barbecue grill restaurants. Uh, one particular restaurant, um, which is uh, called Mumtaz, uh, is very well known and it's been there for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever up there, the, the buna gosh with the nuri roti is definitely the one to try. So, so the thing is, they, yeah, so predo- predominantly, you know, the food scene there is Asian, yeah, whether it be Pakistani, Indian, but it's predominantly Asian. You know, is there, you yeah. know, you know, is there any kind of like uh, English influence in in Bradford still? Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is, I think this is a huge uh, misconception that mm-hmm. the the predominant food scene is Asian. I think there's a, a huge diversity there. So there's, like any city, I mean, don't forget Bradford, for, for all its uh, great humble reputation, it is still a city. I believe it has a cathedral, which mm-hmm. renders it a city status. Yeah, city. Um, and there are, there, are, there are restaurants of all, you know, all sort of um, international cuisines. Um, but being Pakistani myself, obviously my affinity is more towards my own food. And mm-hmm. therefore... Those places stick out more in my mind, um, mm. but there is. Uh, so, for instance, you said that you know, is it is it mainly desi? No, there's a very famous uh, fish and chips place there, which um, lots of um, Pakistani people they they love that place. It was called Mother Hubbard. It's still there because mm. I, I went there I think a year ago. A Mother Hubbard's fish and chips, and yeah, their fish and chips are off the scale. So, so actually, I, uh, just uh, before we move off food, okay. no, no, but oh, I was still, still, I, on, food? I was, okay. I was still okay. on food, right? Okay. Because it's coming back to that that first question when I said, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, how would you describe the food scene? And when you said epic, mm. I was trying to like mm. picture what do you mean by epic? I mean epic in terms of like flavor. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Like saying whatever you're eating is just like a. I don't know. It's just like a, a you know a, a play in your mouth kind of thing. It's like a bomb going off in your mouth. What do you mean by <laughs> epic? Okay, okay, that's a, that's again, that's a really good question. So I think like food, food on its own isn't just food. So mm-hmm. I think that there are it's, it's a multifaceted experience. Right. So as as you as you sort of kind of Heston Blumenthal thing, thing right. <laughs> As you so eloquently put, you said, is it like a bomb going off in your mouth? That's just one element of it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it would have be, it would be the journey from my house to the food place I was going to, okay. and all the sort of you know the the, the, the scene and the attractions along the way. Uh, I mean, you've got to remember. So I left Bradford when I was eighteen. So you know, I I, I still sort of see Bradford through, um, you know, a young a young girl's eyes as mm-hmm. opposed to now I'm. You know, I'd like to think I'm a mature lady, but um, yeah. So I still sort of um, see it from a from a sort of teenage perspective, if you like. Even now, when I visit. So, so coming back to what you asked, I, I digress. Uh, Apologise um, about it being epic. I think it was just the whole the atmosphere, mm-hmm. um, the people, because you know it's, it's the people that make a place. Mm-hmm. Um, the service again that links in with the hospitality. So you know, I, I find that they do they do want to the people who are serving you at these eateries, you know, they do want to please you. It's not sort of just like it or lump it, mm-hmm. and they do they do go the extra mile to make it how you would like it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not right, obviously it's a sort of instant replacement. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, or so, so no, um, so and it's and it's just I think it's it's the flavors as well. So it's just it's a it's a whole. 
it's a whole plethora i think mm -hmm. of factors ah plethora which, yes that's the word i was hard. looking for earlier on <laughs> <laughs> i think it's hard to sort of uh quantify mm. uh the meaning of, of, of one word to sum up i mean you know mm. for me that was just in a nutshell that's how mm -hmm. i would describe it mm -hmm. epic yeah. Zeb, have you have Thank you had you. the have you had the 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 pleasure in eating chicken parmesan in Bradford from uh, delicious delicious parmesan house? I'm afraid I, I'm going to have to be truthful and say I have not. Have I missed out? I I uh, you may have to go back <laughs> <laughs> in your next in your next trip. It'll delicious delicious parmesan house. Get a chicken parmesan yeah. from from there. You will not yeah. be sorry. What is the chicken parmesan okay. then? Tom? Oh, let me uh, let me uh, let me look, look, at, look at the screen. Oh my lord! So it's so <laughs> it's it's uh, that is pretty epic. It is it is um they epic have seems to be the word. It is chicken. They have chicken slices of chicken breast, mm. really juicy chicken breast, um with layers of cheese, and they have they have salad within it, and then they mm -hmm. have chips on top, and then you could just okay. oh, it's so nice. Uh -huh. It's so nice. Ah. Every so time is, I've been, is, I've had on, to have chicken Is this parmesan. kind of like Italian? No. Or is this Italian stroke Pakistani? I think it might be. It, <laughs> but it is it's so a hybrid. Yeah. I think it's what they call fusion food. It's, it's all very modern air. Yeah. Fusion. And it's, um, it's and it so, like so good. And it sounds like a heart attack on a plate. Yeah. It's, yeah, so, no, it's so, so good. I mean, yeah. it's, like all good things. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's just so, so good. Yeah, that really does look like a heart attack on a plate. <laughs> so... Uh, moving on, though, uh, away from the food, though, uh, Zabe, Yorkshire in general is known for its great hospitality, as you know, you've, you've pointed out. Now, how did you get to experience this while actually growing up in the area? Is there just one kind of like you, you were saying you view Bradford through teenage mm. eyes, through those like rose tinted glasses? Yeah. So is there one mm. particular, apart from going to that lady's shop and getting your masala chips? OK, I'm going to mm. take that away off the table. What is it, you know, that is quintessentially, you know, Yorkshire uh, for you in terms of, you know, great hospitality? So I think any discussion on hospitality would be amiss without mentioning my late mother's hospitality, mm -hmm. which I was fortunate enough to witness firsthand. Now, uh, mum, Allah Bakshir, she came from Pakistan at a young age and so she spent the majority of her life in Bradford until she passed away in her middle age. Now... So an example that comes to mind is whenever we had guests, the dining table would be laden with, you know, everything and everything under the sun, mm -hmm. a whole array of dishes, all made from scratch. And it was always, it was sort of like a, like a race for her. So, you know, if there was still sort of half an hour left uh, in sort of the arrival of the guests, she would, she would really just sort of rustle up another dish um, to, to add to her spread already on the table um, and I mean that's the sort of food side of things mm -hmm. but uh, something else that stands out in my mind which I've never forgotten and I've actually endeavoured to keep this little tradition alive if you like is towards the end of the evening she would emerge um, with a gift for the guest as well oh, normally okay. you know how Oh, you know, normally if you're a guest, I mean, for me, I tend not to go to people's houses empty-handed. Mm -hmm. um, it's just something that I personally have always done. But I think to to go to someone's house as a guest and then be given a gift as you leave after mm -hmm. enjoying a lovely meal, handmade, from scratch, 
um, I just I just think that that really really uh, personifies uh, hospitality. Mm, mm, um, mm, I totally agree. Uh, so so going from one, I suppose, one extreme to another, right? My next question is, having lived in London now for a, for many years, how mm-hmm. does the overall culture and, and yeah, the people compare to those of Bradford? Is there that juxtaposition mm. between good so, and bad? I mean, yeah, I mean, so I've had the sort of fortunate experience of living in a few places uh, within the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so... As I mentioned, I, um, I I read dentistry at Birmingham, so that was sort of five years of my life spent there. Uh, following that, uh, I lived in the South, um, various places, Southamp- Southampton, Oxford, eventually London. And I found, I mean, as an extrovert, I found that when I first moved to London, you know, there's definitely an element of people keeping to themselves more than perhaps uh, I would have experienced up in the North. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think people are sort of they're generally more personable and genuinely interested in you. Here, I think, I mean, it could just be that the pace of life is a little more relaxed uh, up in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people, people may have that extra five minutes to ask you about your day and, you know, ask you about something you planted in your garden, which I think here that's certainly a rarity. Mm. And, I mean, as um, as we are discussing Yorkshire Day today, um, mm-hmm. What are some of your top attractions to see in the area, especially for those who might be visiting this summer holidays? Okay, so I think I, th- I think specifically if uh, one is visiting Bradford and they want to appreciate the good views, um, so sort of the, the Clayton Heights area is very good. You can see the rolling hills of the countryside from there, which is a, a, a beautiful view. Um, if you actually bother to go into the Yorkshire Dales, which I would recommend, um, there's a few things to do there. One, again, a childhood memory uh, sticks out in my mind, uh, is Ingleborough Cave. So that's an actual, a real cave, not na- not man-made, <laughs> you know, a real natural uh, cave which you're able to go through. I think it's a, I think it's about a mile and a half long. Um, some bits are quite low and narrow, but it's quite an experience. There's lots of stalactites and stalagmites um, that you can see have uh, formed as a result of uh, weathering over the years. Um, and yeah, I mean, because we're, we're talking about food, uh, lamb chops uh, at Akbar's restaurant um, in Bradford again. Very, I've heard very a good. lot about Akbar's. Akbar's, yeah, even I've heard of Akbar's. <laughs> Ak- I'm a Ak- southerner. Akbar's. <laughs> <laughs> Akbar's is very good. Um, they they have they they have really really um, really delicious food that I would uh, yeah I would I would recommend that. It's definitely uh, an experience. Uh, their desserts are very good as well. Mm. I think it's, there's another mm. one. I think it's Sam's Chicken and Chips. There's, there's one like Sam's Chicken and Chips in fast food. Oh, there's about everywhere. There's about five hundred. Mm. There's about five hundred and sixty-five chicken and chip shops in Bradford. So forgive me if I don't know them all by yeah, name. <laughs> Sam's I've heard is, enough, is very popular. If you want, if you've got a sort of hankering for a particularly greasy chicken burger, Saleh's on uh, Leeds Road is very good for, you know, a really sort of dodgy deep fried. Chicken burger mm. laced with mayo and lettuce and all the trimmings. This this and is sounding like a Voice of Islam road trip. <laughs> <laughs> and you will you probably you probably age about five years after having one of those. So oh, I, okay, I, I, no, I can't afford the time. Sorry, I mean, I it's not. It is years. that. It is that. It's not the Sam's. It's Salas. Because <laughs> 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 I went, sorry, I thought it was because I knew it was with an S, and then I just, it's it's actually Salas. I've tried it. <laughs> 
it, that sounded too anglicised anyway. I just thought, no way, there can't be a place called Sam's. No, it is Salas. I've tried Salas Burger. I mean, like, something like Stuffed Chicken and Chips, that would kind of be believable. But Sam's? You know, mm. we have a no, but I think there's a, a Sam's McDonald's chain down here. I've 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 not frequented it, but I've driven uh, past a couple of chicken shops called Sam's. So that's yeah. mostly mm-hmm. what you had in your mind. It's it's Salas, definitely. It's I remember. It, yeah. I've been there. It yeah. is this one. Is that what we're doing in your spare time, just uh, circling <laughs> the, the shops? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So we, we hold our hands up. Caught red-handed. Yeah. But anyway, Zabe, thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Thanks for joining us uh, on the Drive Time Show. Thank you so much for having Thanks. me. It was an absolute ball. Thank okay, you. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. Oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or voice or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. So really, Yorkshire Day has become more of a let's just think of things to eat from Yorkshire. But actually, you know, you know, we digress when we're going more into the kind of like the as we say, Daisy, the Pakistani Asian type of food culture, which is uh, inherent uh, up there. You know what? You the best, I think, right? fish and chips you can get is around those areas just outside of Sheffield there's something about um, just having because you have to have like there's certain things you know like with Yorkshire pudding you need to when you actually make a Yorkshire pudding have hot fat and that fat should be beef dripping right and that gets you the perfect I suppose you know crispy outside soft and you know just you know spongy on the inside for a for a Yorkshire pudding. But beef dripping, right, chips fried in beef dripping and the fish fried in beef dripping is just a different level. The crispiness, yeah, I'm talking, you can lose a denture. Really? It's that crispy, yeah. It's just, it's you know, it is. It is just absolutely amazing. Uh, the, 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 just the texture of the fish and chips um, the crunchiness, but it's not just the you know the out- outside crunchiness. It's just you know the insides are still you know soft. The f- the fish is still you know succulent. It's not dried out, um, and yeah, it's just. I think a lot of it is uh, as we're talking to Zabe there, that it's the emotive uh, value of not just what you eat, but where you eat it and the mm. people that you eat it with. Uh, I think I was telling you about Filey. Yeah. So that was a nice summer's day on the beach. Smell of donuts. Absolutely excellent. And I'm just remembering, actually, I had ice cream on those donuts. Really? Oh. Yeah. Just totally topped it. <laughs> but to talk well. to talk more about Yorkshire, all things good about Yorkshire, uh, and we haven't even touched on Patrick Stewart yet, yeah? Um, you're looking at me. You know Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Dr. Xavier... To you, oh, you, oh, really? Yes, so yes. He's, um, uh, he's from but Russia. for me, for me, it's uh, Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek. But anyway, I'm not a Star regard- Trek fan. So. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we we're joined by our final guest of the day, Pauline Corbin. Now, uh, Pauline uh, is a retired, lifelong Yorkshire resident. She's a wife, mother, grandmother, and great grandmother. Wow. Exactly. Peace uh, be upon you. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show today, Pauline. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. So we're talking about Yorkshire Day. I mean, today being the 1st of August and celebrating all things Yorkshire. 
Now, how long have you lived in Yorkshire, and what are some of your favourite things about living in that、uh, region? Well, I've lived in Yorkshire all my life, so I'm a Yorkshire lass,、mm-hmm. uh, born and bred. So that's seventy-four years, would、wow. believe.、Um, I've never lived anywhere else.、Mm-hmm. Um, I went to school in Bradford. I worked in Leeds. So yeah,、um, uh, I've been here all my life. So my my favourite thing about、uh, living in this area really is the fact that I live in a small village.、Mm-hmm. Uh, which is between Leeds and Bradford, called Carverley.、Mm-hmm. Uh, the people are friendly, and it's a very community-oriented place. But I have easy access to the surrounding areas, so I can go into Leeds or Bradford or York or the Dales, and、um, you know it's easy to get to those places from where I live. And all my family live here, so、um, I love it. And I know it's known as God's own county. So,、mm-hmm. would I want to live anywhere else? <laughs> yeah,、Not、that's、here. already been mentioned on the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Yorkshire has always been known for its hearty, hearty foods、uh, and great hospitality. I mean, how do you、yeah. think these traditions and values、uh, can be passed on to the younger generation? I mean, as you know, you live in a village, and I'm sure you know, in your time in that village, you've seen some kind of movement. Uh, of you know the younger generation into the cities, I mean how can、yeah. how can you know those traditions uh, be still uh, kept uh, going into the twenty first century? Well, it's difficult because the, obviously the younger generations, it's changed, life is changing, lifestyle is changing,、mm-hmm. and what we eat is changing, isn't it?、Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, my mum cooked Yorkshire puddings and、um, roast dinners、mm-hmm. um, with lovely gravy,、um, mm, you know, gravy. and a pudding made、mm. of homegrown. Uh, gooseberries、oh. or rhubarb,、oh. so and custard. So there you go. But、uh, I, I think the younger generation maybe don't eat that as often as we did.、Mm-hmm. But to, to carry it on, I suppose you've got to,、uh, by example, you've got to feed them it. You know, invite them over, cook for them, and do it. Show them how it's done, and also just experience that、um, hospitality and that、uh, the good food, the hearty food,、uh, by going with them and. Showing them it, you know, really, and letting them taste it for themselves,、mm. and hopefully, then they'll continue.、Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Pauline, what what are some of your favourite ways to spend time with family or friends around the Yorkshire area?、Um, well, me personally, one of my favourite things to do would be to、uh, drive to、uh, towards the Dales. But there's lots of small towns out just on the outskirts of the Dales, like Ilkley. You've heard of Ilkley, Ilkley,、yes. um, Ilkley you know, Bartat, yeah, Ilkley Moor, yeah, without your hat, that <laughs> means.、Um, Harrogate, there's a spa at Harrogate. There's、mm-hmm. Skipton, there's a castle, Hebden Bridge, there's a canal, and there's lots of lovely shops. Homeforth, Howarth, famous for、uh, the railway children is Howarth, and、uh, television program Homeforth.、Um, so yeah, there's, I, I like, I like to sort of browse the shops. Have a coffee, have afternoon tea, maybe,、mm-hmm. uh, and then the ideal, I suppose, would be to come home not have to cook, so have fish and chips, or、mm-hmm. call it a pub for good pub food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Pauline, <laughs> right? Okay, this、yeah. might be a bone of contention. So, you said about、uh, you know having a, a you know、uh, a kind of like a afternoon tea in Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say an afternoon tea in Yorkshire? 
is comparable to having a cream tea in Devon? What um, is better? Well, I mean, obviously, it's both delicious. Mm. Uh, I think if I, I'm not quite sure about the cream tea in Devon, would that just be the scone, as we call it? Not a scone, yes. but a scone. scone. A scone with jam and cream. Or, uh, but we I, I'm a traditionalist. I, I believe that it should be just, uh, you know, English breakfast tea. Yeah. Scone, yeah, good. jam, and clotted yeah. cream. That's yeah, it. That's, that, that's, that's like you Devon tea, but a Yorkshire afternoon tea, you mm. would have sandwiches. Oh. <laughs> you'd have scones uh -huh. with the cream and jam. Uh -huh. You'd have maybe a little savoury something as well. Oh, so the, the sandwiches aren't, aren't counted as your savoury? Well, yeah, but you'd have, besides the, the afternoon teas I've enjoyed, besides the sandwich, you would have a, a tiny little um, quiche, you Ooh, know, a little, okay. like, mouthful-sized mm -hmm, quiche. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is in small sizes, isn't it? It's all very dainty. Mm -hmm. um, and pieces of cake as well as a scone, so mm. you really get well-fed. You don't need to eat for the rest of the day if you have a good uh, afternoon tea. Mm. And if you go to a very special place for a hat, for a posh, uh, afternoon tea. I don't know if I can say the name on the radio. Mm -hmm. but well, go ahead. We well can edit it out. Betty's. Betty's. There's Betty's. a very known, uh, well-known um, cafe, but mm -hmm. it's a high class. It's, um, you know, all very traditional. Where, where is that located? Is is that in York? That's, is, there's one in York and there's all one right. in um, uh, Harrogate. Okay. Yeah, those are the ones I know of, but mm -hmm. whether they're anywhere else, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're the they're, they're the extra special ones, with, you know, um, lovely surroundings and, and mm -hmm. the rest that make it mm -hmm. lovely. Push the boat out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I, I suppose you've already done that a bit in this uh, in, in what you've been telling us just now. But if you were to say, you know, uh, advertise Yorkshire. Uh, as a staycation, um, oh my lord! I'm just saying because my co-host is just showing me a picture of a, an afternoon tea uh, setting yeah. in Betty's, and I'm, it is yeah. pretty phenomenal. It's all served with silver and things. Yeah, yes, it's very it, it looks, it looks very <laughs> posh. Uh, yeah. So coming back to my, my my final question for you, yeah, is if you know a lot of families are uh, doing staycations in in the UK. Yeah. So is there any one particular place you would recommend? Say, for instance, if I'm going to ditch the beach holiday in the Algarve or you know the Costa del Sol this year, yeah, is there <laughs> is there a beach holiday for me in Yorkshire? Um, yes, there is on the okay. east coast. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Whitby. Oh, Keeping Whitby like, Bay, uh, yes. Harbors and there's Whitby. Mm -hmm. There's Filey. There's Brid, mm -hmm. Bridlington, Bridlington, Scarborough. Yeah. Mm. Uh, lots of more, uh, smaller resorts in between all those. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you could go along all the coast and really have a good time mm. if the weather was right. But when I was a little girl, we used to always pack a Mac. Yeah. <laughs> I a think, plastic Mac. I think that's still the case. Pocket. <laughs> and it's probably still the case, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon, Pauline. Uh, yeah, well, thank, thank you for you. joining us and enjoy, enjoy Yorkshire Day. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a Bye. good day. Thank you. Bye. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at uh, Voice of Islam UK. Um, yeah, just thinking about, uh, I suppose, you know, talking about Yorkshire, we should really talk about uh, the celebrities. Mm. That, that I was just looking out. at that as well. I mean, there's, right. um, apart from the food we mentioned, mm -hmm. um, Sunday roast as well. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there's also uh, some a lot of the famous people. I mean, we've got uh, uh, Judy Dench. Yeah. Um, Dame Judy Dench, may I say? Um, Patrick Stewart. Patrick, there we go. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Jeremy Clarkson. Oh yes, he's there as well. Yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. Jeremy Clarkson. Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Sean yeah. Bean. Uh, you, you. Uh, how can you profess to be a Game of Thrones and not know Sean Bean? Okay, I know, I know who you're talking about. This is um... okay. He died out in the first, literally the first, uh, the first series. I'm not good with Sean names. Sean Bean. Oh, I don't believe you. Anyway, I'm sure you're going to. Oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. This is um, Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> I know more for Boromir. <laughs> anyway, Boromir. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. So you're 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 different. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, also, we have the Brontes. I think uh, Rushta mentioned the Brontes. So the Bronte sisters were there. Uh, J.B. Priestley and Inspector Calls. Uh, also, um, if we're looking in terms of modern day cricket, you've got uh, Johnny Bairstow. Uh, and then uh, even back in the day, uh, you had um, in terms of actually not even back in the day. I'm just thinking, you know, currently on the music scene, Ed Sheeran. Right? I'm from Yorkshire, I yeah. don't know. So you forget how big uh, a county uh, Yorkshire is. Um, Jeffrey Boycott. Okay. Yeah. So you know these these are just the some of the luminaries and famous people, right? From uh, from uh, Yorkshire. I mean, uh, a previous prime minister, Harold Wilson. Also, mm. also Yorkshire born. So. You know, you've got. Uh, I mean, obviously, for me, hello, hello, Gordon K. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever watch Hello, Hello? No, a lot. So you know who Gordon K was, right? I believe so. He was the uh, the, the 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 cafe owner. Yeah. All right. And uh, who else? Oh yes, uh, the '80s band Human League. Uh, and Def Leppard. I always thought they were American, but they're from Yorkshire. So there's a lot of uh, stuff that comes out of Yorkshire uh, that is, you know, not only, um, you know, when we're talking about food, but uh, obviously, you know, you do have that. And, you know, when we talk about Yorkshire as well, we must mention the fact that uh, Bradford, yeah, Bradford will be uh, in terms of, uh, sorry, Bradford has already been declared uh, as the winner of the UK City of Culture for 2025, uh, of which uh, every four years, I believe, uh, a city is chosen. And uh, the previous winner of the City of Culture was Coventry back in 2021. Um, so, you know, if you have uh, a choice um, to go uh, as staycation um, in the UK, we do have phenomenal areas of scenery of beauty yeah uh and it's it's i wouldn't say it's on your doorstep but you know instead of traveling four or five hours out of the country you can stay in the country and just you know go up north and visit yorkshire yeah and really lovely places around there um i mean but, but i mean like pauline said there's so many other places that we we still have to see um mm -hmm. and she's yeah. she's been fortunate to to see a lot of these places as well mm -hmm. so i hope i i can also although i'm not too i'm like three hours away now from from stevenage <laughs> i'll be around three hours so i think yeah i think we can make day trips yeah day trips there three hours day trips to go and bad, have yeah. a salas 
midday and yeah. then have chicken parmesan for dinner. Yeah, and <laughs> lamb chops at Akbar's. Yeah, so yeah, there is that culinary scene uh, awaiting uh, my co-host in Bradford. But uh, any final words? We are last 10 seconds uh, well we do have the annual convention coming up next yeah. weekend uh, this coming weekend and then hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be back next Monday mm-hmm. uh, same time same place myself and your, you <laughs> <laughs> hopefully if I'm not shipped off <laughs> <laughs> yeah MIA as I said MIA but without further ado thank you for joining us on Monday's uh, Drive Time Show here is the 6 o'clock news